Hi everyone, you're watching Behind the Pen. I'm your host, Karina Gantis. I'm an author of 11 books. I also run Author Assist and I host the radio show Author Assist on the Artist First Radio Network. Today, my guest is Alicia Christine Sears. Uh, welcome to the show, Alicia. Hi, Karina. Thank you for having me. Whereabouts are you? I'm over in Greece at the moment. Well, I uh, hail from the tiny town of Dallas, Texas. Texas. Mm -hmm. Nice. What, uh, how long have you lived there for? Have you been there? Well, depending on which part of Texas you're talking about, I've lived in Texas all my life, but uh, living in the Dallas Metroplex area, I've been here for about four years now and uh, thoroughly love it. Excellent. So we know absolutely nothing about each other. So I would like this is true. to, but that's it. I would like to uh, get, get to know you. Um, tell me a little bit yes, about uh, who, you, who you are and uh, your history up to date. Um, we'll talk about your books after, but mm -hmm. um, basically um, your, your past, uh, growing up, uh, anything that we, uh, we need to know. Okay. Um, well, I started out, obviously, I'm in more uh, northeast Texas now, which is a fairly fertile area where there's lots of trees, there's lots of green, there's lots of rain, high storms in the winter, but not really snow. But uh, I actually grew up in West Texas, and specifically, I grew up in the Lubbock area, which is very, um, it's fairly dry. It's actually plains region, so we do a lot of cotton farming over there, as well as grains, mm. sorghums. A little bit of uh, vineyards are starting to grow there, uh, have in the past uh, 20, 30 years. But our main thing that we focus on over in the Lubbock area is cotton production. And the town is actually about 200,000 people, so it's a fairly decent sized town, and it actually yes. has a couple of major universities. Um, so it was kind of in the middle of that sort of urban, sort of uh, agrarian society that I grew up in. And, and uh, um, did you go to university? I did. I didn't actually go to the University of uh, over in Lubbock, which is Texas Tech. I actually went to Texas A&M University. And um, I... Uh, my granddaddy was uh, a class of, uh, Aggie class of uh, 1947, and he actually uh, started at Texas A&M before World War II, and whenever he was finished serving in World War II, he actually went back and graduated from Texas A&M University, so it has a very strong lore in our uh, family and in our culture. Uh -huh. And so I really wanted to go, and I ended up going for an agriculture journalism degree, which uh, A&M is one of uh, only 15 uh, universities in uh, the United States to have it. And so I picked up that particular degree because I wanted to be able to write popular fiction. I also wanted to be able to write um, anything from newsletters to newspapers and to be able to have a science and wildlife management background that I could kind of imbibe into my work. Yeah, that's um, two totally <laughs> different things that you you wouldn't expect would mix. Um, uh-huh, I get that a lot. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so 
Okay, so so you went to university and you got your degree. So what happened after that? Okay, so after that, I actually started at uh, the Livestock Weekly newspaper, which was uh, my first major job, and I worked as a market reporter for them and did that for about two and a half years until uh, I got married to the love of my life, who uh, he and I actually are high school sweethearts. We've oh, known each other since that's we were, so sweet. Yeah, we've oh, known each other yeah. since we were about 16. And um, uh-huh. so Matt and I got married and uh, then my husband ended up uh, going into the border patrol of all things. So we ended up moving uh, from San Angelo where I was after college to the tiny town of Pecos, Texas, which has about eight, 10,000 people to it. Oh and yeah, so it was very, it was a very large transition, a very large change from me going from 200,000 people to less than 10,000 people. And um, yeah. So, yes. so you finished uh, with your job and, and had to find something else. What did you do in this little town? Well, that was the fun part. I didn't have uh, any specific job that I could get because Pecos was very much uh, an oil field town yeah. or um, there were uh, local medical things that you could do with a hospital there. But other than that, there really wasn't anything for me with my particular degree type to do. So I started out working um, as a secretary for uh, the local chamber of commerce and got to know quite a few of uh, the town's leadership through that position, and then decided to quit to form my own company, uh, Purple Thorn Press and Photography. And I worked at Purple Thorn Press and Photography as the local photographer as well as graphic designer for that area of Texas. Um, I I covered about four counties. So counties in West Texas are much bigger than counties elsewhere. So I figure about 200 square miles of taking care of people's things you you started this company all by yourself so you mm-hmm. your marketing nobody know who you were so you needed to go around and show them your portfolio tell them what you can do and you started from scratch uh, i think that's amazing and you're still doing that you're doing that now you still have that business now I do have that business now. Um, It has transitioned quite a bit Mm, because, yeah, um, about six years into my husband's career, he uh, looked at me and said, I am not really feeling fulfilled by this job. And I think that I'm being called into ministry. And I looked at him and went, yes, you are because my husband had more passion on a Sunday morning teaching our church's kids right from wrong than he did going to work as a border patrol agent because it's, as you might imagine, it's very politically crazy. Yeah, I can Um, imagine. And um, it's a very hard position to be in to try and serve and protect people who don't necessarily want you there. So he got a call in and uh, he went into in, into ministry mm-hmm. and uh, so, and yourself? 
And so I followed him. Uh, this is why we left Pecos after uh, six, seven years, and we moved to the Dallas area so that he could uh, go into, um, first of all, go get a seminary degree. So mm -hmm. he went to get a master's in Christian education. And uh, while he was doing that, then he and I both worked um, our day jobs at a local warehouse. And I did all of the stuff that I normally do for Purple Thorn Press on the side. And uh, Matt did all of his ministry work and all of his seminary study on the side as well. So we've both, wow. been, working, we've been working two jobs. Yeah, you must have, uh, that must have kept you really busy, both of you. Wow. So um, I, I imagine once uh, he was qualified and once you were fulfilled with your business, then you both stopped working at the, the warehouse? That is the plan. It has not happened yet. Yet. We are still in transition. So we are still both working two jobs. Wow. And then with you, you're a photographer. Mm -hmm. What made you start? Where did the love come for, for photos, for, for taking photos? Well, um, we talked a little bit about my grandfather, that uh, my granddaddy is my mom's dad. My granny, my mom's mom, uh, was very much into photography. She never did it professionally, but she always had a camera around and was always taking family photos. And when I was about 11 years old, my grandparents decided to take me to the Grand Canyon in Arizona. And I didn't have a decent camera at the time. So granny gave me her extra camera and she bought a new one. And it was that trip that really fostered my love of photography. And so uh, I've been into it ever since. That's amazing. And, and writing, you've already done your degree. So you, you have your, your experience, not experience, you have the qualifications for your writing. Uh, where did the love come for fiction and what genre is it that really has your passion? Well, uh, fantasy genre is my bread and butter. That's what I love to do the most. And um, as far as where the love came from, um, I actually am dyslexic and I have a little bit of uh, attention deficit disorder, which in layman's terms means it's very hard for me to focus for any length of time. And it's also very difficult for me to read. And when you're a kid, and you're sitting there and you're trying to read these letters on a page that make absolutely no sense nice, to you, but you yeah. know they're supposed to be words. It's extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming home from school and looking at my parents with tears in my eyes and going, I cannot make this make sense in my head. And I don't know what to do. And mom and dad put me through special language training programs through the Scottish Rite Center that we had at the time in Lubbock and uh, it, elsewhere in the United States. And they helped me learn how to make sense of those letters on a page and open up a whole new world to me in books. And so that in combination with uh, my father being the wonderful bookworm that he is and has been a science fiction and fantasy buff for years and years, um, 
every chance we had in which I wasn't working on homework, we had family vacations that we were on, dad would always pull out one of his favorite books and he would read it to me and to mom and share the adventures therein with us. And so that's what sparked my love of writing. And it was because of that love of reading. How old were you when you were able to actually read a book yourself? Um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia whenever I was uh, six years old. And by the time I was, uh, I'm trying to remember when I graduated. I think I graduated from uh, language retraining in the fifth grade or the sixth grade. So I would have been about 11 or 12 at the time. And by the time I graduated, I was able to read at a college level. That was the marked difference. Wow. It's uh, many years, but uh, what, what you've achieved, what you've been able to do, and what's happened since is, is, is amazing. I mean, I had uh, at school, <laughs> I was leaving um, my upper school. We're talking UK now in England. Um, I was 15, I think, and I was told I was dyslexic when I was 15. So you didn't find out until later. Well, that's what, that's what they told me. And at mm-hmm. 15, they were making me do these extra lessons of reading the cat sat on the mat. Um, but yes, I didn't feel I needed it. I didn't feel that I had this problem. Yes, I had problems with certain words, mixing them up. I had problems with concentration. Um, but I never, it wasn't um, so bad where I thought I needed to, to have these extra lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember doing a, um, making up this uh, book of uh, poetry and uh, short stories one summer holiday for myself. And I was just so proud of it. You know, all these creative these imaginative stories that I wrote in my poems and I, I stapled it together and I draw a beautiful border around the papers and it was my little book that I did during the summer and I was so proud I took it to school I showed my English teacher she I don't know whether she thought it was needing to be uh, edited or not but she mm-hmm. decided to do that so she gave it back, covered in red marks of all of the mistakes I did um, and sarcastic comments as well about stuff that I wrote. And she basically turned around to me and said, you'll never be a writer. You'll never. Yes, you'll well, I mean, that shows what she knows, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, that's the sort of incentive you need. <laughs> a teacher like that to then go on and uh, publish 11 books number 12's coming out this week um, Yay! thank you um and but it just goes to show that uh, no no matter what you're told and no matter your your condition if you want something in life um you go out and you get it and you work bloody hard to get it, but you go out and you do it. And that's what both of us have done. Uh, you're more in a uh, more in a difficult situation than I was. But at the same time, 
we've achieved something that people thought we'd never do. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about your first book. Um, where did you get the idea from? What's the book about? And how long did it take you to actually write your first novel? Well, my first novel is Skin Shifter. And I, I will say it is not my first published book. My first published book was actually a nonfiction book called First Fruits. But it was a book that I wrote uh, much later than when I started my first novel, Skin Shifter. So Skin Shifter was very special for me. Um, I actually started it as a, uh, it actually began as a short story uh, for a class that I took, uh, a creative writing class at A&M. And uh, I had such fun with it that I had to continue the adventure. And it started out, um, I had had an idea whenever I was about 15 years old for um, basically a fairy tale involving a princess who had had a very abusive childhood, who actually finds the courage and the strength to run away from home and have adventures along the way and really finds herself. And that idea had kind of stuck in my head for, you know, at that point, five, six years. But I realized that I really couldn't write it from that particular character's perspective. I had tried a couple times and it had never worked. So I decided to write it from the perspective of her best friend, who is Katya, who is my main character in Skin Shifter. And in Katya, I actually found um, a character that I really could connect with because she, like me, had a disability or what others people thought of as a disability. And that is because she is a, sh- a uh, skin shifter, which is a shapeshifter, she ordinarily is an anthropomorphic lioness. So she looks like a lion but walks on her two feet, uh, on her back two feet, and um, has a few mannerisms like those of human, but she's much, much stronger, she's faster, more agile, all of those things. But because she's a skin shifter, she is cursed to turn human by the light of the full moon. Mm. And so she loses all of those wonderful abilities and becomes just this normal, boring human, to in her mind at least. Yeah. And I wanted to take that story and I wanted to run with it and see where it ended up. And so we find Katya at the beginning of her newest uh, shape-shifting cycle. And she's hiding from the rest of her family and the rest of her clan, trying to keep others from knowing about this horrible curse that she's undergone. And she's skin shifting in the light of the full moon away from everyone else. And it is at that time that she hears the first screams. And she realizes that they're coming from her village. And so she, as this, you know, vulnerable, weak human being, crawls out from her cave and goes toward the screams, trying to figure out what's going on with her village. And she realizes that her village is being attacked. And she ends up being the only survivor of the massacre. Uh because of her skin shifting. And so she has to wrestle with this horrible situation that's happened with the grief over losing her loved ones. And not being able to protect them because she had the power, but she never had it at the time. 
so she couldn't exactly. defend her own village so yeah wow i can i can imagine what uh, her emotions would have been like because of that how did you how do you get up with something like that exactly and that was the story that i wanted to tell and when i first started writing the book um you know, as, as more of a exercise for the class, I hadn't put that much depth into it yet. But um, the summer of my junior year, or excuse me, the fall of my junior year at AM, um, uh, my granny, the one who gave me the camera and taught me how to use it to become a photographer, she passed away suddenly. Oh, and it was completely unexpected. We had no we had no warning. And so that played into what I put into Skin Shifter, because now I understood conscious grief on a very, very personal level. And so mm -hmm. I was able to walk through that grief in that book with her. Wow. So, so that was your first book. I mean, we're, we're going how many years on now? How many books have you actually written, published? So... Let's see. Um, I've written six books total, and they are of varying lengths. So Skin Shifter and its sequel, Dream Drifter, are my two uh, largest books. Um, it's a duology. Yes, and I'm actually working on the third in the series right now. So it oh, will so be a trilogy. A trilogy. Oh, lovely. And so those are my largest books. Those are about 400 and 500 pages a piece because they're epic fantasy. So there's a lot of world building in them. Mm. And so we really dive into uh, a lot of the characters and a lot of the depth uh, of just that particular genre in those. And then I have shorter books. Um, I have The Dryad Sacrifice, which actually acts as a prequel to Skin Shifter and mm. deals with a couple of different characters. And then I have Thorn and Thistle, which is an unrelated uh, pirate adventure on the high Ooh. seas. So it's a lot of fun. And then I have First Fruits, which is my only nonfiction contribution. You've, uh, is it young adults with fantasy or would you say they're more adult? Um, with the Dryad Sacrifice, it certainly is a young adult. It, it is a YA because the main character is 13. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, with Skin Shifter and Dream Drifter and those in that series, uh, the characters are hair older. They're uh, in their either late teens or early 20s. So I'd classify them more as new adult, but they are very much coming of age stories. So I'd say anybody uh, 14 years and older can probably read them and really enjoy them. Right. So, so yeah, I would class that as, as, as young adult as well, even though the character is older, as long as the the actual um, what's inside the book can be read by a 14, 15 year old, then mm -hmm. it would be a, a young adult. Are you marketing as a young adult book? Uh, yes, I've marketed this, uh, I've marketed them as uh, YA, uh, new adult, and uh, then of course, epic fantasy. Excellent. And, and how, how is it going with the, because as a self-published author, we do all the work ourselves. We do our marketing, we do our promotion as well as living our lives and working two jobs yourself. Um, how, how are you managing to, to get your books out there to the masses? 
Well, um, I actually run um, AliciaChristine.com. That's my website, and I do uh, a lot of blog work on that. I also have started a newsletter for my readers, which introduces them not only to my work, but to other authors' work as well. With cross And that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way I think uh, with my newsletter myself, uh, I actually get more sales doing uh, cross-promotions than I do uh, selling what, because I'm, I'm in the middle of a Greek village. I don't have uh, bookstores. I don't have a chance to do uh, author signings or readings or anything, uh, conventions. I, it's nothing like that out here. So all of my promotion is done online. And so um, I find that the newsletter helps me uh, find more readers and more sales than any other way at the moment for me. Do you actually do um, book sign-ins? Do you do book conventions? Do you go to any of these uh, uh, book places yourself? Uh, now that I've been in Dallas, since it's a bit of a larger market, I'm able to do some of those things, and that's been a lot of fun. I bet and it has. I thoroughly love them. Hmm? I think, but yes, I thoroughly love them. When when a uh, reader has a chance to actually come face to face with an author, and chat with them, and learn about their book and about them as an author, you have actually more chance of selling your books that way than to do hard selling online on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, because mm -hmm. uh, they feel like they they know you, and that makes them want to go out and and buy your book and, and read and, and see what you can do. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy being able to do the conventions and the signings and whatnot because I get to actually meet the people behind the screen. Because so many of my readers are, they're scattered all over the United States, some mm -hmm. of them are scattered all over the world. And so to actually be able to put faces with names is really wonderful. So what's next for... Uh... Alicia, what's, what are you up to now? Uh, so I'm working on Fire Forger, which will be the third and the last in the Southern Cycle series. So we've got Skin Shifter, Dream Drifter, and now Fire Forger. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm uh, about halfway through the book at this point. And uh, it's been fun to, to uh, share in Katja's journey, and it'll be neat to be able to finally bring it to a close. It will be, it will be. Are you, you have um, your beta readers, your uh, editor, your cover designer, uh, you've kept the same team all the way through for the trilogy? Mm -hmm. Very much so. Uh, since I have a background in photography and graphic design, I actually did design uh, my own covers. Wonderful. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. It actually uh, turned out to be uh, a double blessing because my husband and I were able to take a trip to Alaska in 2013. And so far, the book covers that I've been able to make for Skin Shifter and Dream Drifter have both come from that Alaska trip. So it has dual meaning for mm. me. So uh, at the end of the video, I'm going to have your covers up so people will be able to see um, your, all of your book covers and hopefully some photography that you've done as well will uh, show you off at the end of the, uh, the video and of course all the links to all your social media 
and where people can buy your books will be up there as well. What, uh, when the trilogy's finished, I mean, you've, you're halfway through the book now, so you know the ending. Uh, are you a plotter or a pantser, would you say? I'm more of a plotter than I am a pantser. Um, so, I, I tend to ask the question, what if, and see where that takes me. And yeah. uh, it usually takes me in a linear fashion, so. <laughs> so. So basically, you know the ending of the, the trilogy. What are you going to be doing next? You must already have, I mean, if, if you're like me, and you've been writing for so many years, you've got half finished books or short stories hiding under the bed or, or gathering dust somewhere that you can pick up later and, and work on if you wanted to, which is something that I'm doing now with something that started off as a short story, uh, was an MI5 thriller and is turning into now an MI5 mafia thriller. Um, ah. I'm very, very excited to be working on again. And this was written 2010, probably, the actual short story. So to pick it up again and work on that is really, really exciting. So do you have anything in the cupboard that you can bring out later on after the trilogy is done? Uh, I have quite a few things in the cupboard. Uh, the stuff that I want to work on first is I really would like to do sequels for both Thorn and Thistle, my pirate adventure, and actually uh, do a sequel for The Dryad Sacrifice. Um, I, I would really like to have uh, trilogies for both of those books because both of those books are actually novellas. They're shorter. So I think it would be a lot of fun to do uh, novella trilogies for both of those and finish oh, up those series. I'm really looking forward to seeing the covers, especially the one with the, the, the pirate story, because I think that would be really um, exciting. And uh, I, I don't know, I haven't seen it. So what can I, I imagine it very colourful and very um, youth looking. The pirate adventure is, uh, mm, shall we say, subtle in some ways. Mm, but I will okay. say there is there is definitely a skull on there. It's not crossbones. It actually is crossed swords. Okay. And uh, the uh, swords are uh, specific. Uh, one is uh, a Chinese saber and the other is a, more of a British saber crossed. And there's a reason that I chose those two particular swords. So uh, they oh. hint at what's going on in this in the book itself. Excellent. Well, why don't why don't you just um, let the the listeners now just know what this uh, pirate story is about? Well, it follows uh, Captain Thornton Tarok and. Uh, he is you know, your, your average guy. He just wants to be free and enjoy the freedom that comes with the high seas and all of that wonderful stuff. And uh, so he tries, you know, he, he does uh, stay more or less loyal to his government as a privateer, not a full pirate. Thank you very much. <laughs> but his, uh, his latest passenger that he's had to take on, uh, Miss uh, Zanna, is probably about to spoil all of that because she brings with her uh, a very powerful and ancient artifact that Thorn's sworn enemy uh, wants at all cost. Oh wow! So let the game's beginning. 
Wow, that sounds so exciting. Wow. And, and so you see the first book, have you ended on a cliffhanger or have you done it nice and neat, but you yourself want to carry it on? It has a little bit of a cliffhanger as far as uh, what happens to a couple of the characters, but it does, it has enough of a resolution that you won't kill me when you read it. <laughs> good, good, because when I did, uh, I have a duology called uh, Illusion of Reality, and okay. the first book is definitely a cliffhanger, um, and my poor readers waited two years for the, <laughs> the quest. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. but uh, it's all uh, wrapped up now because uh, when it's a duology, that's it. You finish, you're done. It it could have been a, a trilogy if I wanted it to. It could have. There there was ways of. There there are ways. <laughs> never say never. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a duology, and I'm happy with it as a duology. But uh, yeah, readers don't really like really strong cliffhangers, especially when they're made to wait two years. Bless them. <laughs> and God yeah. When are you going to finish this? We want to know. Sorry, yeah. I'm working on it. I've been. All, all that time I've I've released other books for them so they haven't been waiting for new stuff they've had five or six other books in between plus I've been not teasing them but um, getting them involved in what was going to be uh, coming up with the quest um, doing uh, some excerpts doing some readings from the book, even though it wasn't published. So it gave them something to look forward to without them just having this and forgetting about, I don't, didn't want them to forget about illusional reality. That's the last thing I needed before the quest came out. They needed to remember who the main character Thaya was and why there's a second book. Um, and of course all the, questions being answered and uh, nothing left undone by the end of the quest and with your trilogy uh like i said you you know what the ending's going to be uh you're satisfied as an author i will be whenever i get it actually written <laughs> Because I'm sitting there in the middle of the book going, oh, come on, can I write any faster? I want to get to the end. So don't don't think as a reader that we, we, we authors are just sitting back and going, oh, no, this is fine and, and being very placid about it all. No, I want to know, I want to get to the ending point as well. But you, you, you're, you're in the middle now and you've got to get to, <laughs> to Z, but it's, it's getting to that point. Yeah, I, I, I've been there, I've been there. The authors, uh, readers don't realise what we go through when we write. Um, going through the zone, going through um, blocks, um, and it's not because... If you can explain a block to a, a reader, people, they, they think writer's block is we just don't know where, you know, what to write next. But for, for an author, a writer's block is when your characters stop talking to you. Mm -hmm. 
And <laughs> that's why we get blocked because it's not about uh, where do I go next? It's they're not telling you <laughs> where to go next. Can you explain that more? Because I don't think I'm explaining it very well. <laughs> One of my favorites was there was a scene uh, that I was writing in Dream Drifter in which um, Katya and Dalen, one of my uh, strong male characters, were having a conversation and I couldn't get the conversation right and I couldn't figure out why. And so I would sit there, I would try to write the conversation, I would peck at the keyboard for a little while and then I would go away just absolutely frustrated. And I'm just, why isn't this working? I, I need to move on to the next scene. And then it dawned on me that I was trying to make Dalen do something completely out of character for him. He didn't want to and do it. He didn't, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> and, you know, we laugh because these characters, when you start to get to know them, they start to become very much like real people to you. Damn. And so you know them in and out in the more years that you spend with them. And Dalen was just sitting there going, no, I'm not going to do this and you're not going to make me. Yeah. And until you figure out something else to do that I would actually do, uh, you're not going to get me further. <laughs> like, oh, okay. At so least, eventually I finally figured it out. You. Yeah, at least he told you and went and told you and said, I'm not doing this. This isn't, this isn't, you're not going to get me to do this. So you better change your mind and do something else. But until he told you that, you were stuck because you didn't know why you couldn't move on from that, get through that little conversation between these two characters. I know it's crazy isn't it but but it they is. do they do say authors are crazy I mean we have to be the, 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 we we talk to our characters our characters talk to us we we can't sleep unless we we write down the scene um I think we have to have a little bit of um craziness uh, to to get through uh writing our books and uh, of course our imagination um you have to be a little bit wild with your imagination to be able to write especially fantasy because uh, in fantasy everything is believable anything can happen and it can be believable because it's fantasy that's why i love writing fantasy because there's no limits exactly and I love being able to take things that we know in, in our world to be true uh, and be able to mix them with the unbelievable and see what comes out. It's just fun. It's magical. It is. It's magical. Yes, very much so. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, uh, Alicia. We're going to um, leave now and I shall put up all your uh, links and uh, covers and people can see how beautiful your photography work is. And uh, I wish you all the best with your uh, finishing your trilogy and uh, any other books you work on. Um, and I'm sure um, we'll be chatting further in the future. Thank you for being a guest on uh, Behind the Pen. Thank you, Karina. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to hearing from you too about all of your updates. This will be good. <laughs> okay, thank you, darling.